When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back, Tiger fans, to Rockin' Radio's football podcast. I'm Nate Edwards. That's Brandon BK Kylie, and this is Before the Box Score, your post-victory over Kentucky edition. Oh, my God, they did it. They did it. The biggest bully in the East outside of Georgia finally falls to Mizzou in a non-COVID year, right? This is a legit season. This is all above board. Everybody's got equal opportunity. And BK, Mizzou did it. Can you believe it? How are you doing? Uh, no, I cannot. Literally, literally cannot believe it. Um, If you would have told me before the game, Missouri's going to win this one, I would be like, yeah, that makes sense. Like, I I totally think that they can and probably will win this game. Um. Do I think after they get down 14 to nothing that they're going to win this game? Not particularly. Uh-uh. Nope. Nate, your response when you saw them get down 14 nothing at the end of the first quarter was blank. Here we go again. Um I uh, I was I was at a wedding, which again, I am pro fall weddings. I am pro enjoying love with your friends. But I will admit I was checking on the side there, like, uh-oh, 14 nothing. I was just like, all right, it's a road game against Kentucky. Mizzou doesn't win on Kroger Field. That was my initial thought. But, um, yeah, you want to talk about punching left-handed, Mizzou did it. Their big plays, taken away. Uh, all of their – the way they like to play, taken away. And Kentucky was running big explosive plays all over them for one half, one quarter, and then all of a sudden they weren't. Mizzou adjusted. It was a defense first game. It was a special teams first kind of game. And Mizzou won in a style that they did not want to play, and I can't believe they did it, BK. Missouri was 0-7 under Eli Drinkwitz coming into Saturday when trailing by multiple scores in the first quarter. One of those games that they lost while trailing by multiple scores in the first quarter was against Kentucky. At Kentucky, mm-hmm. the last time that they traveled there in 2021, Kentucky went up 14 to nothing in the first quarter, ended up winning that game in a close one. Uh, we probably all remember that game, 35 to 28. Right. Missouri battled back in that one. They didn't just battle back in this one, though, Nate. They dominated for the final three quarters. 
And it wasn't in the way that any of us would have expected. Like, if I told you, hey, first quarter ends, they're down 14 nothing, they're going to win this game by three scores. They're going to win 38-21. to You'd be like, okay, how'd they do it, right? Mm -hmm. It's probably explosives to Luther Burden. The defense got a bunch of takeaways. They had a bunch of, like, suddenly their habit rate started increasing in a crazy way. Like, it's just everything starts going the direction that we all kind of hoped or believed that it would. Uh that's not really what happened. Like they have this trick play on a fake punt and the momentum completely shifts. And that's their only explosive play of 25 plus yards the entire night. Uh Everything else just kind of went into place the way that it normally does for Kentucky. And that is what maybe impressed me the most, Nate. They out Kentucky to Kentucky. They played some kind of like amoeba-style defense. It wasn't as if they were out here with 12 sacks on the night or 15 tackles for loss or seven takeaways. Like, they just... They beat the hell out of them, man. They just bludgeoned them to death. They finished the game with 120 yards on the ground. They got just enough through the air. They had, like, these just right-timing types of plays offensively. Mm -hmm. Defensively, you have, like random contributors that are coming in for big time moments. Philip Roche coming mm-hmm. in. It's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. This is a bit piece now that we use exclusively as a blitzer exclusively on important third downs and exclusively to go destroy the quarterback. Sweet. Yeah. Love it. Um, <laughs> Like going from Tyron Hopper being a complete liability to Tyron Hopper being a really useful player in the final three quarters of the game was useful. Da- uh, Darius Robinson, finally living up finally. to expectations yeah. was huge it just everything started to click and they ended up beating kentucky by playing kentucky's game i i didn't know they were capable of doing that in fact i i would have assumed they weren't capable of doing that i gained so much appreciation and respect for this team based on what they just did in kentucky yeah that elite teams do this and i'm i'm not trying to throw that word around lightly like Ohio State, Michigan, Alabama, Texas, USC. Pick your blue blood. Every year they have some game where what they want to do is not working at all. And they adapt and they do enough to win. That's what elite teams do. And seven weeks in, Mizzou has shown a propensity to be, to act in a manner that is elite. They... I'm curious, Nate. Tell me if you think this is a good quality or a bad quality, because I think it's a quality of this team. I just don't really know what to do with it. They kind of... They reflect the teams that they play. And I'm not saying, like, the quality of Mizzou's play is that way. Like, the style of these games seems to take on the style of the team that they're going up against. Like, LSU, shootout in every possible way. Well, yeah, every LSU game is that way. Yeah. Kentucky, kind of a slog fest. Like, weird game. Yeah, every Kentucky game kind of ends up being that. Middle Tennessee, even, was like a very specific style. Memphis, very specific style. And most of their games are that way. Even K-State, very specific. Maybe that was the most one that kind of took on Mizzou's personality relative to who the opponent was. But it kind of feels as if these games are taking on the personality of the opposition. And yet, Missouri outplays all of those teams by almost playing their game it's kind of an interesting dynamic and i don't i don't really know what to do with it or even to say if it's a good or a bad thing can we just say that's the trademark of an experienced team 
that returns a lot of guys who played a lot of football in the SEC. One of the reasons why I was so high on Mizzou heading into this season was because they had so much returning production, starters, backups. They had a quarterback who's gone through an SEC slog before. Everybody who's going to be contributing in a significant way had done this before in a league where most of them had not done that, including the quarterbacks for most of the SEC. You know, I looked at that and I said, that alone, I mean, just because you're older doesn't mean you're better, but it, it tends to mean that you do improve. Uh, you know, just on the whole, maybe not as on an individual basis, but on the whole. And, you know, so if you've gone through this before, if you've had three fights with Kentucky, if you've seen South Carolina four times, like, you know, I know these guys. I, you know, Eli Drinkwitz, this is his fourth round through the SEC. You know, at this point, I know that like individual pieces like Kirby Moore, Blake Baker haven't been here the entire time, but like the players know this stuff. They're familiar with traveling. They've been to these venues. They've seen these players. They understand this style. And it's when they get punched in the mouth, they go, yeah, I remember this. And they just adapt to it. I think it's a hallmark of an experienced veteran team that can adapt and not be rattled or shaken by what, what happens, whether good or bad, in the opening 15 minutes. And that's a quality of a older, experienced veteran team. And a well-coached team. Hmm. Well coached. That's the other thing. Um, if you had simply told me going into this game, Luther Burden's going to finish with two catches for 15 yards. That's going to come on one drive. Outside of one drive, he's, he's going to have nothing in this game. First of all, I would have assumed that Luther Burden had all of that on the first drive and then got hurt. Yeah. Because that's the only way that you can explain that away. Mm-hmm. But that's what happened in this game. Now, he did go out, but it wasn't because he was seriously injured. It was because he got hit, in the words of Tom Hart, in the chips. Um, so, I, they found a way to adjust. They decided, hey, Tyler Stevens, off with your drops. We don't need those around here any longer. Yeah. Brett Norfleet, you're our best tight end. Yeah, you're a freshman. There's going to be issues that come along with that. Your blocking is not where it needs to be at this level. We are going to have to live with that because what you can do in the passing game where we were four for four for 40 yards when we targeted you in this game, that is enough to make up for any of your liabilities. Hey, Marquise Johnson, you're going to play like 10 to 15 snaps every single week. And when you're on the field, we are going to target you like one out of those 10 snaps, two out of those 10 snaps, and they need to be explosives. Like you have to connect on one a week. Mm-hmm. And guess what? He's doing it. Like he's making good on those opportunities. Theo Weiss. Theo bleeping man. Weiss, man. How did Oklahoma not use this guy? He's a really good player. I mean, yeah. a really good player. And it seems like every single week now in conference play, He's coming up with like three or four huge plays. It doesn't show up in the stat sheet, Nate. That defensive pass interference that he was able to draw. Man, yeah. That is a skill. And I hope people realize that because there are so many wide receivers around the country. And this is not just at the college level, in the NFL as well, that they'll kind of get pushed down the sideline. And then you'll have that underthrown ball on the deep ball that happened on that Theo's play. And instead of trying to track it and run through the defender to get to the ball, they just kind of stop. And they're like, okay, well, not going to be able to catch that one, blah, blah, blah. And so you don't draw the call. It ends up just kind of being a wobbly duck that doesn't get completed and you move on to the next down. 
Well, Theo Weish tries to play through the defender, and by doing so, is able to draw a huge penalty in that spot. And that's a big part of what helps Missouri to win. And that's just an experienced player making a really smart play. And this team seems to have a collection of those types of guys right now. Now, they do yeah. stupid stuff sometimes that makes me want to pull my hair out. And if Connor Tolleson has one more bad snap or snap infraction, I'm going to lose my mind. But then Connor Tolleson and Cameron Johnson, two of the guys on the offensive line that make me go batty during the games, they have this like perfect blocked outside zone run to basically put the game away mm -hmm. when Cody Schrader is running in for his touchdown. So, God, man, it's a really good team. Missouri is a really good football team. I don't know how the rest of the season's going to go, but this game against Kentucky... What did I learn? I learned that Mizzou is really good. Really, really good. And they can win in different ways, and they take on the personality of their <laughs> opponents sometimes, and they just play better in that personality than whoever it is that their opponent is that week. So far. Yeah, it's incredible. And you know, Schrader's hurt. Cook is hurt. You know, Burden got smacked in the chips. Like, okay. I, I said it last week. I said it three weeks ago. You beat Mizzou by taking away the explosive plays, limiting Luther Burden, and hoping the offensive line screws up enough and the defense can't create any pressure. And, like, three of those things happened, and Mizzou won by 17. Like, shows what I know. Uh, I still stand by the fact that that's the best way to do it, but, like, they they won with with their binky taken away. And, man, I just I did not anticipate that. Uh Really, you know, I, like I said, I watched the game all today. You nerds who get mad that I go to weddings and don't watch during the game. I have the internet. It is recorded. Thank you. Um, it. I mean, I knew what happened. But even then, watching the first quarter, I was like, my God, how did they do this? And then you get to the fake punt, which most important play of the season so far, you know, seven weeks in. I know, I know you wrote about it in your <clears throat> in your recap, but like that was that was a do or die moment that yeah. could have blown up in Eli Drinkwitz's face and and caused Mizzou to lose by twenty. And instead, it connects, flips the entire momentum of the game, and Mizzou wins by seventeen. I, I watching it live, we saw the coaches jumping up and down. We saw the players pointing. What was your take in that moment when you watched the punt unit come out? Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. So, first of all, I was mad because I always get mad at Eli Drinkwitz for punting from the plus 39. <laughs> like, that was the first thing, and I was, I was just mad. Yeah. Um, and then you kind of see what's about to happen, and you see it starting to develop. And you're like, Eli, they have their fake punt defense on the field. Like, they know what's coming. Why are you not just running a regular play? Like, you have good football players on your team. If you're going to go for it, just go for it. So I continued to be mad. And then I saw the pass, and I was like, oh, he can throw. 
And then I see Marquise Johnson is the gunner on that side. And I say, oh, that guy can catch. <laughs> and he can and run. He just flat out made a play, man. So mm-hmm. I give Eli Drinkwitz so much credit. And you guys that listen to this podcast, if you have been a listener before, you know I have been highly critical at times of Eli Drinkwitz's decision makings, especially on fourth down. But in this scenario, they had clearly scouted this look. They saw an opportunity where they were going to have a one-on-one matchup, essentially, down the sideline with Marquise lining up against any player that was going to be over there. And they said, we like our chances here. And you know what, Nate? They should. Because Marquise Johnson is a stud. I think you compared him to Emmanuel Hall a few mm-hmm. weeks ago in terms of the usage. Yeah, And it's a perfect comparison because that's what he is. I saw somebody on uh, on online compared to his freshman year numbers to what Luther Burden did last year. Guys, let's not do that. That's not who he no. is. That's not the kind of player that he is. They're no. very different. The usage of him is like what Wingo was when he was here and what Emmanuel Hall was when he was here. It's it's a pure deep threat guy. That's what he's mm. always going to be. He might develop into something more, but right now and probably for the foreseeable future, that's who he is. And that that is a good thing to have. Um, but for them to have that opportunity there, just huge. And then for them to execute it well, it's good coaching. It's good coaching once again. Yeah. Yeah. I, he lined up against a, a starting corner, uh, believe it or not. They uh, had their Andrew defense Phillips. out there. Yeah. Andrew Phillips. And the dude, like, just stopped. I, I don't know if he lost the ball, but Luke Bauer led led Marquise Johnson perfectly. The, 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 the defender stopped. Johnson keeps going, and that separation and his speed is enough to just get you right into the end zone. Just did Luke Bauer play quarterback in high school or something? Because that placement was phenomenal. I mean, it was incredible. It, it was like legitimately a great throw. I told you this before the show tonight. If if that was Brady Cook throwing to Marquise Johnson, I would have just been like, "Yeah, that was a great throw and a great catch." Just a well-executed football play. And for it to be the, the punter who came into the season, by the way, as your backup punter who's earned that job to a true freshman who I kind of assumed was not going to have a role this year. Yep. That's kind of, I, I assumed would not have a role on the offense this year. Mm-hmm. For that to be the two players that ended up making, I agree with you, a play that potentially changed the course of your season, certainly changed the course of that game yep. and might alter the trajectory of the Eli Drinkwitz era. Like, I know that sounds dramatic. I don't no. think it is. <laughs> like, no. You went from potentially falling to 5-2, and 1-2 two, and two in conference, and losing all momentum that you gained in the first five weeks of the season, to turning that game on the dime, winning by 17 points at Kentucky, a place that you have not won in a decade. Like, it's just, I, you can't overstate the importance of that one moment. And this could all still fall apart. Like we're not sure. saying that this means whatever. It just when when Brad Smith decided to Brad Smith his way through the Independence Bowl in two thousand five, we're like, wow, he saved Gary Pinkle's job basically, and it was an incredible performance. We did not realize what that would lead to. You kind of get an idea. You create the narrative because that's what we do here in the media. But like. You're never totally sure until everything is said and done. But you bookmark these moments and go, right there, remember that one. And just like you said, the momentum, the, the goodwill, the potential of everything that's going on. Again, it could all be derailed, but they they staved, they staved it off. 
basically, by by running that play. And it was 14 nothing at the end of the first quarter. And then Mizzou goes on 38-7 streak to close out the other, you know, 45 minutes of the game. Starting with that. It is... And it wasn't even flashy. It wasn't the way they wanted no. to play. Again, that, that that just blows me away of how ugly and mucky and just off it felt, but how dominating it ended up being. Again, to your point, Mizzou's defense had a 23% havoc rate. That's not the best of the year. It's not the worst, but it's fine. It's basically what they did against Memphis. It's basically what they did against Vanderbilt. They got four sacks. That was cool. They got multiple interceptions. That was super cool. Chris Abrams Drain, I think, might have taken the mantle of best defensive player for this season. I just that that I, was. Really I think fun. he's won it. I think he's. I think he's at the at the top. Yeah, I I feel like, and what's crazy is I feel like Ennis Rakestraw is a better corner, but he can't stay healthy, so it's absolutely cad. Um, yeah. I I don't know. It's just yeah, the, you you were forced to punch left handed, and that was something that we have criticized Eli Drinkwitz for multiple years. Like you have one. Yeah, one punch and you got nothing else. And this year he's got something else. Uh, this again, this team. I, I'm not trying to make you all feel sad. I feel weird feeling confident about Mizzou. I understand that. I'm sure you all do too. But when you, you know, coming in the off season, when I saw what I saw, I'm your eat your vegetables guy. It just so happens that I'm serving you vegetables covered in ranch. Like this is, this is the good stuff. And I'm very glad it's playing out well so far. Or else I would have felt kind of like an idiot. But like, it's an old team. It's a veteran team. They have playmakers. They're well coached. They have good schemes. They can adapt. Everyone else in the East seems really beatable. I just can we also talk about team building for a second? Because I, I think it's an important part of this conversation. Yes. Um, because you you talked about how you're 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 your vegetables guy. One of the reasons why you're that guy is because team building matters. And there comes a certain point in time where you have the requisite amount of talent and then coaching starts to matter that much more because now the coaching is what can put you over the top. And then it really becomes a matter of roles. Can you find the right roles within that talent? Like are guys put in positions to succeed and are they willing to accept those positions? And I think that's something that's happened for Mizzou this year that has kind of changed, right? Like Luther Burden has been put into a role that he's prepared for and that he is really good at. Brady Cook is in a role right now that he's really good in. Um, Chris Abrams Train, you mentioned him. He's he's ready to be a number one cornerback now. Um, you're putting Darius Robinson at defensive end because you have a bunch of interior edge rushers and don't really have a defensive end. Well, I thought it was kind of clunky for the early portion of the season. It's possible. That's just because he was hurt. I mean, he looked really good in this game against Kentucky. And maybe it's just a matter of, hey, that calf was taking away some of explosiveness from him. Mm -hmm. And now he's going to be the player that they thought he could be. The other thing that I would add to this, and I think it's something that I'm going to write about this week, is the freshman class. It was not a flashy freshman class for Mizzou this past year. It was the worst of the Eli Drinkwitz full recruiting classes so far. Yeah. Look at what they were able to add, though in terms of role players. And that's important when you get to a certain level as a program, is to add guys that can meet specific needs. They needed a tight end. They've been looking for a tight end in the portal for years. Dude, Brett Norfleet is pretty good. Mm -hmm. He's been targeted 10 times this year. He's caught nine of them. Yeah. 
Those have gone for 100 yards and a touchdown. He caught all four four passes on which he was targeted against Kentucky, 40 yards. They needed that. They needed every bit of that. Marquise Johnson. He has not had more than 20 offensive snaps in a single game so far this year. He is five, or Mizzou is five for six when targeting him at least 20 yards down the field. Those five receptions have gone for 235 yards and three touchdowns. His 83% completion rate on those deep passes, best among all Power 5 conference receivers. Jordan Harris, 45 snaps offensively this year. 39 of those are as an extra blocker. He has gone into that Armand Mimbu role that they had from last year, but he's doing it as a tight end. He is also a core special teamer for you right now, which sounds like a small thing. It is not insignificant. It really matters, and you need guys that are able to take on those roles. He has 77 snaps on special teams this year, dude. That's incredible. Daniel Blood, 23 offensive snaps so far this year as a uh, freshman. Cut his first big down, big time pass last week. Marvin Burks, getting real role, real reps as a defensive player and as a core special teamer. Philip Roche, sack strip this past week against Kentucky, coming in and finding a niche, finding a role for you defensively. Rayshon Littlejohn, you have not seen him a single time so far this year on defense. But guess what? 31 snaps so far this year on special teams. Kick returner, kick coverage, and punt return. That is what your freshman class is supposed to be for. Mm -hmm. You fill out specific roles, and you find guys that are prepared to help you in certain ways. And those guys can come in and help you win football games. Missouri this year has the talent. They went out and got Luther Burden. They got Mookie Cooper. They got Theo Weiss. They add Cameron Johnson. They add a bunch of dudes to the defense that are previously high-level high recruits, or they brought them in as high-level recruits. And now you fill the specific roles with your freshman classes, and you develop them over time into bigger pieces of the puzzle. That's what's happening this year. That's why you eat your vegetables, and we're seeing the results of that process starting to pay off now. All right, end of lecture. I love a good team building analysis. It's I've I've told you all before I'm a weirdo because I think I like that more than even the games themselves. But it tells you a lot about a staff and it tells you a lot about what this team can be in the long run and how they manage their their roster, how they build it up. You know, Nick Bolton famously started as a special teamer, right? Like that's what they saw. They went, oh god, this. This kid can play, uh, and you didn't know until you got him on the special teams. You know, and, and it's great that the freshman can see the field and see that experience without any pressure of like, well, you, you have to deliver now. Thank you. Uh, you use them when you can. The hyper specific sack strip machine of Philip Rocher. You're like, yeah, that's all you got to do. That's it. Um, and, and Marvin Burks, you know, just yeah, you might be a rotational safety, but like, it's fun to see you in there. And he got he's gotten a sack before. He's in the very first game, so like. It's no pressure to develop because they have built up depth both through the transfer portal and just straight up recruiting. They play the guys they trust, which has been frustrating before, but it seems like they are trusting more or at least have the ability to give more people a shot because they have the depth now. This is this is how you build an elite team. And, you know, Mizzou is, has not been an elite recruiting team in the past uh, ever, but, uh, you know, they are getting there with Eli Dringwitz. They are recruiting like an SEC team now. And we might not see all the shiny four and five stars that we'd love to see as consistently as we'd like to see them. But he's getting guys who can contribute. And in the end, whether it's a three-star, four-star, two-star, whatever, that's what you need and that's what they've delivered. 
And those three stars that they're getting, some of it, and you're going to hate the meme that I'm about to mention, but when you go back to what Matt Rule was able to do at Baylor, mm -hmm. one of the things that he really focused on was the speed the athleticism of these guys, the athletic traits. And then he said, I can teach them how to football. Like I, our, our staff will be able to figure out how to get these guys on the field in positions where they can succeed. Missouri staff seems to be doing a really good job of targeting athletes. Mm -hmm. And they're also getting really good football players. Like Luther Burden is a stud football player, dude. He's football first athlete second, but they're piecing things together by adding other really good athletes. Like Philip Roche was a stud athlete, man. And you saw that with his athleticism and burst coming up against Kentucky. Brayshawn Littlejohn, stud athlete, dude. And I think they're seeing that coming through by how they're utilizing him right now on special teams. Again, not a star role, but just a, a way that you can utilize a player to get him on the field early on in his career. So um, credit to the staff for the identification of players, the ability to put them into roles where they believe they're going to succeed, and then credit to the players for executing when they're getting those opportunities. You want to talk a little big picture real quick? What that win means for Mizzou? It means everything, man. Go ahead. We came into the season saying there's really two flip games in the first seven weeks of the season. Mm -hmm. Kansas State at home, week number three. Kentucky, on the road, week number seven. We kind of assumed LSU was going to be a loss. Yeah. We assumed the rest were probably going to be wins. And really, the ceiling of the season comes down to what do you do against K-State? What do you do against Kentucky? Well, ladies and gentlemen, if you weren't paying attention or are just coming out from underneath the rock, you went 2-0 in your flip games. And now, this is where it gets really fun. Mm -hmm. Because everything is in front of you. Yep. Whatever you just thought of that might not be in front of them, it actually is. That's that's still there. You, you want to talk mm. about winning the SEC East? Still in front of them. You want to yep. talk about winning the SEC? Still possibility. Yep. You want to talk about going to the college football playoff? I know it sounds outlandish. It, oh. I, I don't think they're going to. It's very much still in the range of outcomes for this team because of the way that college football has been this year. Now, it's a top one percentile outcome for the season. But it's an outcome nonetheless. There are a lot of teams that are just, as of today, eliminated from playoff contention. Missouri, for the past 10 years, at this point in the season, has been eliminated from playoff contention. Pretty much, yeah. Right now, though, they are not. And that is really fun, dude, because you've got South Carolina next week, and I don't want to get overconfident. I don't respect that football team. No. I don't um, either. Georgia is the following week. I'm going to set them aside for a minute. Tennessee is the next week. I don't totally know what to make of that football team. I don't think they have a very good offense, although they're very good at running the football, and they have a very good defense, which is the opposite of what they were they, a year ago. They became, yeah, an efficiency-first defensive outfit I, just overnight. I don't get it either. They're trying to do their best Georgia impression, and I don't know if I believe in it or not. No. So we'll, we'll see. Uh, I don't trust Florida at all. I don't think that's a very good football team, and Arkansas is just – they lose every game by one score. Five losses by like 15 <laughs> points. It's insanity. They lose every game by one score. Again, I think they're going to be potentially playing for their coach not to be fired at the end of that game. So, dude, it's all right there for him. It's all right there. I had a friend text me last night. 
And he said, he'll, he'll stay nameless. He knows who he is. But he said, man. It was Chase Daniel. Yeah, it was totally Chase Daniel. He's like nine and three is on the table, man. I'm feeling it. And I told him, because he hates it when I'm positive. And again, I've, I've admitted, it makes me it makes me nervous when I'm positive. But I can't help but look at this and I respond like, no, man, everything's on the table. Everything. Because Mizzou has shown that even without an A-plus effort, they can hang with the best of the best. And they've shown now that when they are off their game or their game is taken away, they can still win. And if you're showing me that, that your B-plus effort can get you within 10 of the one of the top offenses in the country and your weirdo C-plus effort can beat Kentucky on the road, sorry, you, you just showed me that this is a team that is capable of everything that they want. But you have to take care of business. It starts with a reeling South Carolina team that is not good but only gets stronger the worse they play. It's it finishes up we you know I get a bye week right before we go to Georgia which let's just remind everybody the only time Mizzou has beaten Georgia is in 2013 on the road seems relevant here and then you know you turn around play Tennessee at home play Florida at home play Arkansas on the road like you said like every single one of those teams is flawed and Missouri is flawed but they can win flawed games which is something that I we just have not seen for eight years so yeah. Everything is on the table. And you can think about what you want to think about Georgia, or you could have your thoughts about Tennessee and Florida. You could, Whatever you think, doesn't matter. The guys in that locker room think they can do it, and they've shown that they can do it, which is even more dangerous for everybody else in the SEC. It would be so poetic if the last year of divisions, Missouri won the East. How funny would that be? Uh, it is really, it is a shame that we don't go to 12 playoff teams until next year. Cause this would be the year where Missouri could really actually make it in a 12 team field. But that's not the point. The point is this year, all of your goals are here. You control your destiny, something that we just do not get to say around these parts all that often. And, uh, I'm nervous, but it's a very pleasing feeling. It's just such a weird thing, man. Like. We came into the season and we were like, yeah, eight and four. Eight and four would show you real tangible signs of progress. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it was like, may, may, maybe, 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 maybe gets a nine and three. Yeah. And now I'm sitting here saying, if they don't get to nine and three, it's a disappointment. Like, I, I definitively believe that. If you don't get to nine and three at this point where you're at six and one on the season, you have disappointed, man. That means going three and two down the season. That means taking care of business against South Carolina, Florida, and Arkansas. You should be favored in all three of those games. Take care of business, dude. Mm -hmm. You got something to prove? Well, there's where you prove it. Nine and three, baby. That is what you have to be this year to meet expectations at this point. Ten and two? Ten and two? I'm saying everything's on the table. Eleven and one? Yes. And everything's on the table. I, I'm totally with you. And like, that is a fun place to be as a fan. I, I would say that the number one thing I want to stress to people, don't take this season for granted, man. If we learned anything from 2013 and 2014, it is how fleeting this can be. I hope that this is just what Missouri is now. And Eli Drinkwitz is going to have this program operating at such a high level that the expectation every year is eight wins and 
we'll see where it goes from there. That's what Gary Pinkle was at basically from like 06, 07, all the way up to 2014. He, he There were some down years in there, but that was kind of where you were at. It was like seven plus wins every year with ceiling wins thrown in there every two to three. This can go away quickly. Mm-hmm. And while you're in the middle of it, man, appreciate every single one of these that we get. Because you only get 12 of them this year yeah. that are guaranteed. And this team specifically has a lot of really fun characters on it. It's a very good football team. And regardless of what happens from here, man, appreciate all of it. Because who knows? Who knows when the next time is that you'll be able to watch a team that's capable of winning nine plus games. And this one certainly is. They are. They are. I, I, well, it's feeling awfully 2013 around here. I'll just. Does it feel more like 13 or 14 to you? 13. I agree. This team's actually good. 14, I didn't think was good. 14 was was fluky because it was an only explosive off, only explosive offense and one of the best defenses we've ever seen. And this one, you know, is explosive reliant, but can, can be a little quirky. I mean, think back to Ole Miss 2013. James Franklin comes back from an injury. The offense is all out of sorts on the road. You know, and they they win, you know, it's not impressive by by any stretch of the imagination, but they go into yeah, to uh to Ole Miss and they walk out with a 24-10 victory. And you go, Well, that wasn't great, but they won. And that was kind of just like you did enough to win. And I I trust this team, the 23 team. Like I trusted the 2013 team. Do you know where that team finished in SP plus? The 13 team? I've got it in front of me. Do you know where it was? Uh, I believe it was like 22nd. If I remember, they're like 20 points better than the average college football team, if I had to guess. You are a lunatic, first of all, for knowing all of that right off. But yes, yes. Uh, They were 22nd overall at SP plus, and they were roughly 20 points better than your average football team. There you go. You know where Mizzou's at right now in SP Plus just uh, released earlier today? 23rd. 26th. Very close. 26th. 26th right now in SP Plus. They absolutely can get up to 22. The teams in front of them right now, by the way, include Kansas State at 21. Oh, wow. Duke, UCLA, Utah, Wisconsin. That's that those are the that's the group in front of them. I would not be surprised at all to see Missouri above most of those teams here within the next few weeks. For sure. um, LSU for those curious is at 18 right now. Tennessee is at 12, surprisingly enough. Efficiency, and baby. Georgia is at number three. That Tennessee defense is is helping them. Mm-hmm. Top 15 in the country right now. But yeah, um, reason I bring that up: this Missouri this Missouri team is not all that dissimilar right now from where they finished in 2013, SP plus wise. So the quality of this this team thus far should not go understated yeah it's a good football team it is and they got to keep playing like it because your own your reward for winning is you got to do more winning and man did you did you catch shane beamer's post-game conference uh last night where he's blaming just about everybody except himself for the loss like those are some bad vibes man <laughs> those are some bad vibes <laughs> and college football players are like a vibes only kind of i, I mean Listen, the vibes probably weren't great when Graham Mertz went for 425 through I the mean, air. Yeah. yeah. It's not what you want. It's not what you want. I don't think Wisconsin was holding him back, so I think it's a it's a South Carolina problem, I think. I just 
mind-boggling. Spencer Rattler couldn't help himself, man. Just got the ball back with a minute left, down by two. All you need is a field goal. He said, Leroy! <laughs> he could he not to. help himself. Yeah, he too. Had to throw a pick. Had to throw a pick, seal it. Incredible. Well, here we are. We will have more coverage of South Carolina this week, both on the written word and the spoken word and the watching word on YouTube. So stay with us. It is a magical journey, BK. They are fleeting and they are fun, even if I still get some massive reflux as we head into the game. That's okay. That is going to be the show for today. And as always, we appreciate the downloads and the subscriptions. We love Leave a comment for us because we, we love all types of feedback from you all. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm Matt and H.E. Edwards. He's at BK Sports Talk. You can follow us on the Rockin' Flagship at Rockin' Nation and our podcasting outlet at Rockin' Radio. We appreciate you tuning in this time. We'll try to do better next time. And until then, M-I-Z. Z-O-U. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to Rock M Radio, a proud partner of Fans First Sports Network. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to see more, just like it beamed directly into your personal device. Just click the subscribe button below, uh, and you can find this podcast through the Apple Podcast app or for iPhone, or the Google Podcast app for Android, or whatever app you use to listen to your podcast. Uh, we are also available on Spotify. Just search for Rock M Radio. Uh, and if you like other sports, Fans First Sports Network uh, is a podcast network that has uh, coverage of all other teams: Major League Baseball, uh, MLS, uh, NFL whatever you want uh, to listen and, and read about. It is a great, great network full of really fantastic podcasts. So look them up and subscribe uh, to any and all of those podcasts. Uh, Rock M Radio will be back with more episodes coming soon. Thanks. Thanks.